0: It's time to open your mind and expand your empire. You're listening to The Ted Huff Show. Join in for stories that embrace imperfections and become the inspiration you need to achieve true greatness in your life through actionable progress in the pursuit of self-discovery, self-improvement, and self-purpose. Where will your story take you? Now let's get it started with the man himself, your host, Ted Huff. Hey, welcome back to The Ted Huff Show. We have Ryan Esquivel, a combat veteran from Iraq host of the Escavelio Show and the founder of the Escavelio Empire. He shares with us the story of growing up in a military family and how his childhood shenanigans with his brother set him on the path to joining the military and being a military police officer. He also shares how coming back from Iraq made it very difficult for him to move forward and see his self-worth, getting to a point where he couldn't leave his house and even envisioned hanging himself at his office can't wait to share this with you everybody welcome Ryan Esquivel we're being brought to you today through the Modi app I'm right here in beautiful Huntington Beach California and the best thing about this Modi app is that I'm able to do this on the go wherever it is I just rolled literally just rolled out of bed and we got this thing going on and the Modi app allows you to instantly monetize your content for whoever you're working with record it locally and Ryan we got you online, man. Um, why don't you give some people a, a high level of, of what the show is about, and then we'll start to dive into some more details about who you are, what what you got going on today.
1: You know, The Escavelio Show is about sharing. We think that nobody wants to hear our story, and that's far from the case. It's just that fear of just sharing. And when you open up yourself to sharing, Let's, let's be honest, it's, it's vulnerable and it's pain, painstaking, it's gut-wrenching, but it's so rewarding, so uh, freeing that you just want, you're just wanting to get your story out. And all my guests, this is their opportunity because they shut out the world. It comes down to you and me and the Escavelio empire. Quick little story about how I came up with Escavelio. We were in this PX, and for everybody who's not a military member, the PX is. Yeah, I was like going to say you
0: you probably you probably need to to do a little bit of explanations. So there, there are going to be a lot of right acronyms and and uh, things that are very focused. So if you're a veteran, you're going to understand it very very well. Absolutely, uh, Ryan, you and I both are are, are army veterans. Um, so so. We're gonna to have to take a little bit of time and dive in and let them know what some of these acronyms mean, like the PX, the Post Exchange. It's like oh, the store go. of all stores. I mean, it's got everything you could ever want, and then stuff you should never buy, but we do it anyways as soldiers because, heck, that's what we're doing.
1: I know for for our generation, um, including the veteran generation, most department stores over have over over the over the head loudspeakers. And this lady, she's—I mean, she's about almost 50 years old, a a wonderful woman. And Hispanic last names, like you know, I wish I had a Garcia or a really easy one like Sanchez or something really easy. But Esquivel, is so difficult. Just the words and the when you look at it, because you know, in the military you have your name printed right there, and we think that would be easy. So we separate. And she's at the loudspeaker, and she comes on the loudspeaker, and she's trying, she's trying, she's trying to say my name, Esquivel. But like most people, she says, Esquivelio, Escavelio. <laughs> and I was just, it just put a smile on my face, and, and you know, and that's the feeling that the word Esquivelio wants that I want the listeners just to get that transcending from the stories, from living, from just doing and smiling, because yeah. with the Escovedo show, I'm taking that extra effort to understand people, to like people, to know people, and hey, make some friends.
0: So Ryan, you know, <clears throat> we've talked about what the Escovedo show is about. We've talked about how the Escovedo, Escovedo, how, how that comes <laughs> about, um, you know, how that name came about, and all that fun stuff. But let's, let's really bring some people back and kind of help them understand some of the experiences in your life that have driven you towards wanting to share stories, to get stories, to listen to stories, to have people tell you their stories. I know that you grew up in a military family and moved all over. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've heard lots of stories, seen lots of different things. But let's kind of go back a little bit and just kind of share with the team, uh, with 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 the viewers and the listeners of of how Ryan got to where he is today and, and all a handful of things that have influenced you to want to understand those
1: stories. Excuse me. Of course. um, My story actually starts from my earliest memories in South Carolina. Me and my brother, I I love my brother. We were, um, I don't know, about five or six. And my brother and I had stolen, I think we didn't know what we were stealing at the time. We stole a candy bar And uh, we kind of slipped. we threw it in in mom's bag, and before she knew it, and we got home, so this was a lesson in stealing, and of course, in responsibility and integrity. So my mom took me and my brother back to the store. We sat down with the law (laughs) prevention. that's like the the police, you know, not, I mean, we'll we'll keep it simple. It's the store police, so, and then... This guy, he must have been you know, six feet, seven feet tall. Of course, I was a little kid. Everybody's six feet, seven feet tall.
0: Yeah.
1: And he's like, do you want me to take your mom to jail? Because that's what happens when you steal. And, oh, man. And he says this, I think about three or four times. And then it, it, it sunk in. And then it, for my brother, he just cracks. He's like, "Why <laughs> oh, I don't want you to take my mom to jail. Don't take my mom to jail. And then he goes further and he's like, "Still oh, take my mom to jail. Can you take my brother and instead?
0: Dude throws you right under the bus, man.
1: <laughs> he does. And to this day, he still, I was talking to him last night about my computer, my computer breaking. He's like, "Just yes, buy a new computer. But that story, and it was from the other day when we were talking, all those memories came back to me. And it was just one of those genuine heartfelt moments. And of course it was a lesson in that feeling. That was the trajectory of my law enforcement career. And the military, because I had this high level of respect for the military police, and I knew from that moment that I wanted to be military police, and I knew that I was going to join the military. I just didn't have all the details figured out at such a young age.
0: Well, I mean, that's kind of kind of what happens. You know, you get a, get an idea when you're lit, when you're a child, and you, you just start to move that direction. And just like anything in life, you don't always have to know the details. It's just taking that first step to really getting there.
1: Yeah. Well, that first step—it uh, w- was so much fear. It, it was crippling. It's just—I uh, remember another story in uh, that me and my brother. Uh, we
0: were you and you curfews. and your brother, man. You and your brother, troublemakers. We, I tell you, troublemakers.
1: Had, yeah, we had stolen five dollars from my mom, and and back then, uh, five dollars was enough to get you some ice cream at at Baskin Robbins. So we walked, I don't know, it must have been three or four miles to the Baskin-Robbins on base, uh, the military base. And we ate our ice cream and we got back and we were thinking we were scot-free And I don't know, about two or three years, maybe my mom asked me or something or my brother, I can't remember how it went, but maybe my brother cracked again and he said to my mom, you know, we stole $5 from you. When we were kids. Oh my we were, God. So uh, he's
0: ratting you out yet again.
1: He is. Man. I'm telling you. So, and that was a lesson. If you're going to commit a crime, do it alone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks. Don't commit any crimes. No, so no, we're, no. Not, we're, not, we're not talking about committing crimes. Let's, let's go ahead and uh, do the right but thing. To, yeah. So don't Ryan. commit any crimes. All right, Ryan. So, so, so you. Yeah. Life of crime moves you over to being a military police. So help us understand, you know, moving into the military, how did that go for you? Did you get in? Uh, was was it everything you were expecting? How how did that all turn out for you?
1: I got exactly what I wanted, military police. And be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. So <laughs> military police leaving three months after high school. So it's uh, August of 1997. I'm in the army being all that I can be being a military police. And they throw me in Fort Leavenworth. <laughs> so everybody doesn't know what Fort Leavenworth is. Fort Leavenworth is a famous, we're talking over a hundred years old military prison from almost the civil war era. Isn't to, this it, the
0: same prison? Like that is in every military prison movie yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's literally out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas, right?
1: No, actually, no, actually it's not. Um, it, it's, it's funny, you should mention, everybody thinks, that, everybody thinks that it is in the middle of nowhere. Well, that's but what the movies a,
0: make it look like.
1: It does. Like You're in like this remote, desolate uh, area. It actually sits on top of a hill, at least the old one did. The new one is, is a little bit further. But there's a thriving community of, in Leavenworth, Kansas. 1999, I found myself really challenging myself living up to the, the uh, military core values. And I couldn't do it, so I was uh, chaptered out. for. so okay, okay. I was gonna, I was
0: gonna say we're gonna have yeah. to tell it, So, so you got chaptered out, um, which actually means that that, that they uh, they decided to uh, send you home or allow you out of your your uh, agreement um, with the government. Um, what what caused that to happen? How did how did you end up in that situation?
1: To be honest with you, I surrounded myself with people who did not live up to those military values. And then you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Good, bad, promoting, rich, whatever it is, you are there. And through, and through reverse osmosis, I had to take that lesson, own up to what I did and what I didn't do, you know, didn't live up to those values. And I had to go home, back to my friends, back to my, my parents and it was truly embarrassing uh, that one, I didn't finish my contract Two, I was supposed to be going places and and doing things being the oldest, oldest son. I had responsibilities, expectations and I didn't live up to those. And that was a hard lesson and a truly humbling lesson. And yeah, it does hurt. I I will be honest with you. I was, I was talking to my mom when I got home and I was crying. You know, I was like, 21 at the time and and grown man just crying and like am i a disappointment am i a failure am i a loser and my mom's like no absolutely not we love you just who you are and that was a was a turning point for everything up until meeting ted huff here
0: (laughs) thanks man thanks
1: it's skyrocketing i mean it's just mind-boggling that you could be the average of the five people you spend the most time with good or bad you know counterproductive versus productive it's yep. a choice and you know and it's not over and there's no perfect life there's no perfect military career there's no perfect um other than you know perfectly good looks but <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan
0: you you know you talk about coming home and 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 having that realization that you felt like a complete failure and you had that support net of your family to really help you through and remind you that just because you failed at an action doesn't mean you are a failure. Kind of helped me understand, you know, you know, was that a breaking point for you? You mentioned that was a turning point, but was that a breaking point? And what did you do to to turn stuff around? So so the listeners and the viewers understand that that
1: there are things you can do to turn things around. What did you do? Actually, I went further into a safe place, and I had that mindset, well, if I just get a job, if I just go to college, and if I just be a good person, that would be enough.
0: Oh, so you, you, kept, you kept that little bit of a downward yeah. slide on that, huh?
1: More of that, you know, protection. You know, you, people want to protect themselves from getting hurt again, and that's what okay. I did. So I threw myself into college, and I was mildly successful in the college then i took it one step further and then my mindset was to join the national guard do my 20 years get my retirement and for the national guard it's that part-time military you hear on the on the news and the, the commercials for two days out of summer or no two weeks out of, out of the month and two weeks in the summertime you'll get a military career get education and that's what that was my mindset going into the national guard and this was 2000 uh, july okay. 2000 so so this was before 9-11, and that 9-11 was another point. So I was continuing to play it safe because, one, I already been military police. I so it was, an e- it, was
0: an e- it was an easy move over, very, very safe for you, something you knew and you understood, a culture that you could understand, so it wasn't really pushing your boundaries. Um, so, so, so you go into this comfort space in 2000, and then September 11, 2001, the world completely changes. What does that mean for for Ryan Esquivel? What does that mean for him?
1: That means everything got kicked into overdrive. 72 hours, January 2003, we get deployed to Iraq. I get deployed with cooks, bankers, teachers, doctors, dentists, everybody under the sun in your community that's just so hopping mad Hope I can say hopping, but they were just so hopping mad, getting ready to pick up their rifle. Yeah, you, the- you, you, you can
0: you can <laughs> say hopping, you can say hopping. Okay. yeah, go go for it, man, go for it. So
1: everybody's hopping mad. We're gonna go overseas. We're gonna you know do what we signed up to do. And I was thinking to myself, you have no idea what you're talking about and what you're saying, but that's okay because I'm here. I know what I'm. I know what war is about most part, and and I knew what was needed of me to step up and be a soldier. And this was my opportunity to be something, to do something, to go somewhere and really change my life around. And I had no idea that the events of going to Iraq, being in Iraq, and losing someone I, I truly loved, my roommate and best friend who was killed in action. And that was just like a hard... 90 degree turning point where I really got to get my stuff together that life is such a great reward where when people someone gives you life and you're not so much taking life but when you're giving life and you're filling people up it's just it's awesome that's just a word I can explain it awesome so I come home from uh, Iraq in 2004 a whole year of my life and everybody else's life just Goes forward. Yeah, it's the time warp where it's a missing gap, and you're missing your fellow soldiers and being in the army, and you're and you're missing everybody. And you don't understand why you can't connect. It's it's like doing like this, and everybody's so you're already a year behind everybody else. It's kind of like being left back in the in the second grade or something, which I I, I did second grade twice. So like, how like so.
0: So how how did you transition? You coming back? How did you how did that transition back into civilian life really happen for you? And and how did how did you take it? Because I know that there are a lot of guys out there that, that mm-hmm. really struggle with it. I mean, you've got you've got PTSD, which is a real deal thing. Um, mm-hmm. You've you've got guys that just just can't get their mindset out of the reactionary, constantly surveilling the the area around them, and always looking at everybody being an enemy combatant. Um, And then you've got the folks that just shut down. I mean, these these are the folks that are are out there that are homeless, that don't have the support system like what you have. Um, So kind of help us understand, you know, how did you make that transition? And was it easy? Was it hard? Um, You know, kind of help us understand how that transition happened.
1: Actually, um, time-wise, it was very easy. I threw myself into recruiting. I had some friends in the recruiting world for the National Guard. So I was a full-time recruiter, but there was just something that I was just disconnected from everything and everybody. And I thought if I just kept moving, I don't have to worry about the war. I don't have to worry about PTSD. I don't have to worry about nothing other than what's right in front of me. And that was the wrong approach, but I see that now, but that was the only approach that I had. And then things continue to fall apart where I get a really good job with the Bureau of Prisons, and it's a really good job. I'm making over 100,000 a year, and just by showing up and I'm going places, set up for success. But I, what I didn't see is I didn't see all the people around me rooting for me, putting good words in for me, you know, taking care of me. Because nobody, um, they want to think that it was all me, that I'm just, you know, special and it's my smartness that got this job for me and, and where that might be true. I know there are special and smart people out there, but you know, once I dropped, I was in the army, I was in Iraq and I lost somebody and I want to be here working with you for you and about this mission. And the mission was being a correctional officer that molds a unit, a group of people and where you can do great things. And I think that was a lesson in team building which at the time, this was like 2007, I didn't really get it. So I was, I was really successful for about three years. And then again, the cycle of falling apart happens again. And a lot of, this was a time where a lot of people were committing suicide, a lot of soldiers coming back, a lot of veterans. And it was like a huge epidemic with PTSD. Not that it's not now, but it was just more on the news at the time. Right. So I was like, I need to get help. I need to get into the VA and so, to get treatment.
0: So l- right. let me let me stop you there. So so what what do you think? Uh, I mean, what do you think that trigger was for you that 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 caused that self doubt and everything to really come in place? You mentioned that you didn't feel like you had support at the workplace. Was there other things going on or other things that 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 triggered that that feeling? And and then where did it go once that? I, I mean, how far did that feeling go?
1: I mean, oh. It, it, it went so far that I just started disconnecting myself from even my co-workers, my family, my friends, where I just started hating the world, and I really just wanted my friend back. Um, it, Eric Ramirez, it killed in action, you know, God rest his soul, and all the other souls that, you know, lost their lives, but it, it was that survivor's guilt where it says, who am I to enjoy this job? Who am I, you know, to enjoy my family, enjoy my kids, and enjoy this life where... You know, I'm not special. I honestly, I just got lucky. That's the, that's the tr- That's the honest truth. I got lucky, and then that that guilt, you know, just snowballed into inpatient psychiatric help, all sorts of medications. So I, I really med- medicated myself and kicking the can down the road. And you gotta understand, this is like almost I don't know, 10 years maybe to. To 2004.
0: Wow. Yeah, about, so, so, yeah, ten, so so ten years of medication and trying to push through all that stuff. That is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah. So so what do you what do you think has been the biggest belief, behavior, or habit that is that has really changed your life in the last three years? Because I know you just started the Escavelio show not not too long ago. So right. so what what is it the belief, the the habit, or behavior in you know last three to five years that really changed that really got you? To to start to to move in a different direction because I know you'd mentioned that you'd you'd spend a little bit of time and in, in in our offs uh, our our pre calls and a couple other different oh, things yeah. you'd, you'd spend some time in the hospital for for this you know because you 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 did get suicidal as you told me um, right. and and what what was that belief behavior habit that really changed changed it and had you looking at things differently
1: last November I had gotten this job where no interview, no, I barely even applied for it. And it was like, I don't know, one of, one of my, it wasn't my dream job, but it was a job that paid a really good salary. And I was thinking this, this is, this has gotta be, you know, the stars lining up, everything's good for me. I'm medications working, I'm in therapy, everything's good. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's do it. So I transitioned. And it was it was not for me. I'm gonna put it like that because, you know, I love the people who who worked there. I'm not gonna put them on the bus, but it, it was just like the perfect storm. And then I had this massive, massive anxiety attack where it was so crippling that it put me back in the hospital. I immediately resigned from my job. And for for a few moments, I could see myself actually hanging myself at that point where. I, I just couldn't get out. And, wow, man! And I was like, if I could just do it, just to get out of this situation, I you know I was I was I was there.
0: So you were starting to feel like the only way to get out of the situation you were in, although it wasn't was. a bad situation, it just wasn't one you were comfortable with. Right. The <clears throat> only way to get out was to end your life. Absolutely. And I th- I think that's an important thing for 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 the listeners and viewers to really understand is that. Even though everything seems to be going in your way, the feelings of depression, the feelings of anxiety, um, the, 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 the mental talk that you give yourself may not be apparent on the outside. So, so be cognizant of that when you're working with folks, because they, you have no idea what's going on in their head. You have no idea how they feel. Um, but Ryan, not to take away from your story, I just think it's important for people to understand that mental illness is, is, is real. It can be treated. It can be overcome. It just takes compassion, understanding, and perseverance. So I'll let you get back to your story. Sorry for that. I did just something oh. that I'm very, very passionate about. I myself uh, suffer from, from bouts of depression, and I have to work really, really hard and, and change things to get out of them. And so I think it's very important for folks to understand that. So, Ryan, back to you. Let's, let's find out how did you get out of that funk? What did you do to get you to a point where you wanted to share <clears throat> stories with people with the Escavelia show, let's let's get people to that understanding. Let's show them the brighter yeah. side um, oh, of, of, yeah. of this yeah. fun stuff.
1: So I, I get out uh, of inpatient psychiatric help, and I had I'm off work for a good I don't know eleven months, uh, probably eleven months, so almost almost a year, and I'm on Social Security. Because I have no idea, and that was a, a really humbling experience too. Uh, you know, thank you to the American people for continuing to you know service veterans and just taking care of us. I, it really means a lot. It meant a lot to my family. Meant a lot everything. That I'm no longer on Social Security. Thank, you, but thank you. So during that time, I have a lot of th- time to think and really, really figure out. You know yes, I have a loving wife and yes, I have kids that love me. And yes, this life is worth living. But is that enough for me just to have a pulse and just to show up? I've been doing that all my life. And yeah, that's half of it of success. You got to show up. And I think I got that down pretty well. Where that whole other part of me is everybody is part is, you know, the way we talk to each other, the way we connect with each other. Yeah. It's right now through Moti where maybe I can tell, I don't live too far from Arizona actually. Um, But get back to my story where I start and then something hit me where I was, I was listening to one podcast and and it wasn't a very famous podcast and he had this guest on and I'm like, well, who's John Lee Dumas? I'm like, well, I mean, he sounds interesting, and then he starts throwing the e bombs, entrepreneur, and and I'm like, well, the e bombs, yeah. dude! I <laughs> have not, I
0: have not heard that yet. The e bombs, oh my goodness! This, uh, I I, I, I attended an event, uh, and and it was all about entrepreneurship, um, and and now <laughs> you're saying e bombs, and I'm just, I'm laughing, I'm laughing. It just. That is so funny. I, I attend a lot of events, especially around entrepreneurship. So uh, that's it's funny you call it an e-bomb. I'm going to have to put that in my notes and use it later.
1: Go for it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm here to help. So he's, he's dropping the e-bomb, and I'm already over-medicated, over – don't really want to do nothing, don't leave the house. So, so I'm like, why not podcast? You know, But I'm not there to do a podcast yet. I'm, I'm listening to – and then he drops another value bomb, if you will. And yeah, that, about that's,
0: the, that's that's JLD's thing. He's he's all about the value bomb. So what value bomb did he drop that that just made you decide, dude, I gotta do this, I gotta move forward and this is my thing to to help myself and help other people.
1: He mentioned a a book, an audiobook book. And for some reason I have this problem with imagination. When I when I actually read a, a physical book, that if I read it, it's just, you know, in in, out, zero imagination. But when I listen to it, so I'm a, I'm a visual learner. I'm a, I, I hear things on me. So, and then it stuck to me. He's like, well, I really like this book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mindset by T.R. Eckerd. And it's free. I'm like, what? What? It's free. Got to do, do it. Got to do it, man. Why not? If I'm going to fall, I might as well fall in the right direction. You know, yeah. continue falling, picking myself up. So if in my own mind I'm thinking, you know, something's got to change. I need something to change this this cycle I'm in. So from listening to that book and uh what's the other book? Oh, um uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad from Robert Kiyosaki. Those two books really got in my mind and said there is more than what you see. There is more than just the the 10 feet around you. And it comes down to it. You either do it or you don't. You're either there or you're not. It comes down to just making a choice, making a decision. If you, And then you got to want it. So I wasn't really there to wanting. I just want to be left alone, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I don't know. So well, what, decided, was, what,
0: was, what, was the, what was the thing? What was that one thing that made you decide I'm going to do a podcast? What was that one thing?
1: When I started listening to uh, the book from T. Heart record is he had this thing where uh, this guest came up and said to him, what's it feel like to touch a millionaire? And, and T. Heart record goes, well, touch yourself.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And, and awesome. that was
1: it. And I was like, you know, I, I, have, I have a lot of friends who are very wealthy, and I have a lot of friends who are very poor. And I treat everybody the same. as Like, I want to be treated. And, and when I talk to everybody, everybody tells me that, no, I'm doing fine. Even when they have cancer, even when they're depressed, even when they're homeless, oh, I'm doing fine. And they're lying. Yeah, fine.
0: Fine does not mean fine. It, it means right. I'm scared to tell you how bad I feel right now. So that's how I believe fine. So anytime somebody tells you fine, that means they're asking you to help them. They're asking for help when they say fine. They want mm-hmm. you to ask what else is going on in their life and that's just my personal opinion that's where i come from Mm -hmm. and ryan what i want to do now is i want to just kind of move over um because i think having you have that that example of of listening to that that guy saying touch a millionaire really got you to want to share those stories and the whole fine part of it you i know you have a lot of tools in your chest let's just pick out three main tools that you use either every day or every week but you use them in a consistent basis that the, the folks out there, can really, really take and use right away?
1: One, keep it simple. Whatever it is, someone's done it before. Either it's a podcast, a book, an idea. Many thousands of years ago, people had ideas. But keep it simple and be open to something new. You have to be open because if you're constantly discounting people, guess what? It's going to come back to me uh, discounting everything. Get out of your own way. You're you're afraid. Everybody's afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of being a failure. I'm afraid of, of falling. I'm afraid of getting myself up. I'm afraid of success. I'm afraid of money. I'm afraid of expectations. Get rid of them all. You know, embrace that fear. I define success as having a pulse. You're already there. <laughs> you're already there Well,
0: that's uh you know that's kind of like uh when people say get your first win of the day by making your bed so hey, get the first win of your day by waking up alive i mean that that there you go that's that's a good way to get started sorry and, and i tell you the first one was keep it simple second keep one was simple. get out of your own way and i have a feeling you've got a number three for us what is number three ryan
1: Embrace your fears. Oh, that's a good
0: one. That's a good one.
1: Everybody has fears. You know, just embrace it. And understand that you're human. You're not some Superman that has no feelings. You're not, you don't have these grand expectations of being a robot or an ATM machine to your family, to your loved ones. They value you for the person you are. So
0: how do do they embrace the fear? So. I know, I know
1: that we hear that a lot. But how how do you embrace the fear? What well, I have to, to to say out loud what I'm afraid what I'm a, what I'm afraid of, and what okay. I'm afraid my number one fear is being successful and having these expectations and not having that family time. That's that's so important to me that that because I have children, I have a wife, mm-hmm. and if I'm doing everything for everybody else, you know, I'm missing out on that. You know, it's a fine balance. It really is between uh, financial success, emotional success, family success. But it's, it's all a matter of timing, really, because the children, they grow up so fast. That they do. That they do. Your, they your do. business grows up so fast. It and does. then you're like, what? Wow, what did it all go to? It's like, but hey, it was a fun ride. I mean, but those, those fears, though, and the knowing that you have them, period is just huge because so, so many people are like, no, nah, I'm not afraid of nothing. <laughs> so,
0: so, so what I'm hearing you say, and, and this one is a big one. The other two I understand. This one's a big one for me. Um, mm-hmm. So what you're saying is, is first recognize what you have as a fear. Then once you've mm-hmm. identified mm-hmm. what the fear is, be sure to evoke some sort of emotion about uh, or communicate it, whether you say it out loud, you write it down, do that because so once you get it out there, it, it, it loses its power. And then third is just drive through it. Those are the three things that I just heard you say around how mm. to get over that fear. Am I missing anything? Did I leave anything out?
1: I'll give you a, a real quick example. I had this fear of just walking outside. One step in, out the door just sent me into it, a panic attack. You know, So what I did is I opened the door. I didn't actually go through it. And I, and I saw it and I saw myself putting that one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. and then I went back inside and then the next day it was two and then the next day it was three and then those little steps got me to where I am today
0: so you don't don't I, think of don't think about the big end goal think about the right. first thing to get you there and like you said if like you were scared to go outside and mm-hmm. all you did was open the door the first time that's right and you, and you thought about taking that next step. You didn't take the next step, but you thought about it. And then the next time you open the door and you took that first step and then you closed the door and then you came back. So I think it's extremely important for everybody to understand is that live, those fears, you don't have to think about making it, getting rid of the fear completely right away or mm-hmm. or or not being, or being a, trying to figure out how to get rid of the fear. Just figure mm-hmm. out what is one step to get you closer to eliminating that fear and just take that step. So, Ryan, I really appreciate you going through this. Um, appreciate your service as a veteran. Before we close out, I do want everybody to, to know where to find you. So where do we find you on the social medias? Where's the best place to get in contact okay. with you?
1: Well, the best, the best place to contact me is through uh, escavelio.com or com. I know that's a mouthful, so... I got the com. I'm the number one Escavelio on the internet. There I'm you go, man. Only, I'm probably the only Escobelio. So I'm on Twitter. I love Twitter. Uh, Escavelio underscore one, because you're number one. And you're number one too, Ted.
0: All right. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. You too.
1: Facebook. I'm on Facebook. You know, Join the Escavelio Empire Facebook page. We'd love to have you. Plus LinkedIn. I'm really huge on LinkedIn. What else? Um, no, I'm just having a really... Awesome journey. Uh, This this is mind blowing. Meeting great people like Ted Huff. Subscribe to the Ted Huff Show.
0: Subscribe to the Esquivelio Show.
1: So Ryan connection
0: exactly. All right, Ryan. Hey man, I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, This has been great. Uh, Like you said, it feels like uh, long lost brothers. And uh, I really appreciate the time. Hopefully, everybody got something out of it today. And like you said, um, hit subscribe. Follow, like, comment, do all that fun stuff. If you like the way this episode looked and sounded, you too can get the same experience. The Modi app is available for download on Apple iTunes. Go to modiapp.com, M-O-T-I-A-P-P.com to download it now. That's it for this episode of The Ted Huff Show. But we know you're wondering where you go from here. TedHuff.com makes it easy for you to get notifications for new episodes, specialized contests, exclusive giveaways, and upcoming events simply by signing up for our mailing list. You'll get access to all this and more by visiting TedHuff.com. That's T-E-D-D-H-U-F-F.com. Until next time, open your mind and expand your empire right here on The Ted Huff Show.